Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Studios, it's the Press Box Summer Edition. You know that mediocre generic sound you've been looking for? Well, listen to this. With Steve Cofield, who is JVT, that's just initials. This new version was a sloppy mess of half-famous randos. On ESPN Las Vegas. One could argue that I'm the more famous rando than Tyler Bischoff and Ed Grady. One could argue. Jonathan Von Tobel and Steve Cofield. Good morning, guys. It's it's Wednesday morning. What is going on? This is my favorite thing, where the energy is just palpable when the day begins. You know what I mean? Bring everything off the air. Steve Cofield's around, too. Good morning, man. Good morning. I'm ready. I just had a... Uh, I think we have some food discussions later on, right? Uh, there's food discussions. Well, there's decorum discussions. It's uh, really I, just about I think that. I'm going to add another... T- Question to the decorum okay. question, because I just had a, a mobile order issue, but we can save that. Try to I have, I have questions. To the I have questions. Q's not going to be happy about that. What, food talk on the air? No. I think, are you mobile ordering food to the station? Yes. Okay. Wendy's breakfast again? It's coming up later. It's, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, we're going to suddenly see a Steve-shaped yeah, hole right. in the wall. Well, it is a good day. And not only is it hump day, which means we're that much closer to the weekend. I got a big weekend coming up. I know that you're going to be at an event that I'm going to be at. I get to go see one of my favorite comedians on Friday night. It's going to be like a child-free 48 hours pretty much. So love my kids, but very much looking forward to it. Also a big day because they start hitting out there in Henderson. Pads are on for the Las Vegas Raiders today. So we're going to start to learn a little bit more other than watching guys go against air and whatnot. And I think you start with, right, one of the biggest topics for the Las Vegas Raiders, which is... The offensive line, which nobody can stop talking about, for a good reason. When you add the piece that you do, it looks like it's going to be a pretty good unit. So the question becomes now, what do we start to learn about these guys now that the physicality picks up and these guys are wearing pads? Because you can't really tell anything when they're out there practicing against scare. And now guys like Alex Leatherwood, who's competing with Brandon Parker for a spot at right tackle, we're going to learn a little bit more about how good they're going to be at that position and the growth of certain guys like Alex Leatherwood. I don't want to stymie the discussion from the get-go, okay. but I would respond with, are we going to learn a whole lot today? I mean, I don't know about today. I'm saying going forward. I right. don't think you're coming out of today being like, we got our five or four. Because so, I know who the left tackle is. My argument would be, and this is not to hammer the people doing the analysis of the offensive line, mm-hmm. that we will learn almost nothing because we know nothing. In terms of evaluation of football? In terms of evaluation of offensive linemen. Mm -hmm. And you actually, you just kind of hit on something there. It's not football knowledge. It's what they're going to show us, which is very little. Right. What you're going to see is you can, and this is what, you know, when I go cover UNLV football practice, you know, kind of the same setup. We get, you know, limited time to watch the practice. I watch rotations. You watch who's at the ones and twos, who's switching positions. Like, that's interesting. Like, I could figure out, you know, by the early part of last year, there was going to be a couple of linemen who might have their jobs in jeopardy because you started to see rotations, right? Mm -hmm. And guys move up and down the line. So I think that's what you're going to be able to see is if there's any flexibility on the line. Like Alex Leatherwood's the biggest question. Is he going to play any guard today or is it all right tackle? How long do they give him at right tackle? But I I think so much of the work is done in the film room and out of our view uh, that if, I mean, there. I guess there are media people out there who can claim they're offensive line experts, and there may be some, right? There are people, like I know uh, Case Kiefer loves offensive linemen, and I think, you know, he was a, a somewhat skilled high school offensive lineman. All right, so he's learned at it. But when I hear other people are like, oh, I'm going to watch the footwork. And, and, and what? <laughs> it's three fields away. You're going to watch the drills? They bring binoculars, don't they? 
They do bring binoculars, but I just no. I I, I, la- I laugh at like how much we're going to learn during practice because one, uh, I don't think we're given that much. It's it was secret before mm-hmm. the Josh McDaniels Belichick system. They're not showing you a whole lot. So for me, it's all about rotations. Who's in the ones and twos, and. Who emerges, you know, in the next couple of weeks, and I guess we're going to find out in the Hall of Fame game at least who gets to start, who's going to emerge, who's playing right tackle, is Leatherwood getting kicked inside, and then what's the battle for the other guard spot? So I, when I say learn, um, I don't mean that I try – look, and we're going to have him on in 30 minutes. Not that I'm picking Ed, Ed Graney's brain on what he evaluates from what he sees. I meant more of, to your point, rotations, which guys are getting which snaps, when they're playing and how they're playing, at what positions, and granted – we know that the uh, the edict has been out there from the Las Vegas Raiders. We're not talking X's and O's, but the little things that you get from the coaching staff and whatnot as the days go on in training camp about the offensive linemen. Not going to get much. It's going to yeah. be generic dribble sometimes. And also, the, I mean, the cool thing about people who are fans of the Raiders this year is you get an extra preseason game, right? We get the Hall of Fame game coming up a week from tomorrow. So there's that as well. So... I didn't necessarily think that Q, our program director and our our wonderful leader, was going to go down there and come back and be like, I've got this to learn about these guys. But I think over the gradual course of time, this will obviously take shape and we'll learn a little bit more about how these guys Now, what can you learn in practice? Mm -hmm. If you're able to talk to assistant coaches off to the side, you can probably get a little bit, you know, off the record, you get some knowledge. Um, But, you know, we'll see who has that access. I know NFL Network is, you know, kind of interspersed in the field. So, you know, maybe those folks will get a little bit more. I'm just, I'm just telling, I, I know it's a popular narrative. Like we're going to learn a lot more with the pads on. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll see some more aggression. We'll see, you know, probably some dust ups three or four days from now. I think the other thing to watch is um, I don't know what's going to happen, but I hear about Lester cotton every year <laughs> and then, and then he doesn't play. Is he going to graduate to a level where he's a rotational guy at guard or a starter? Is it going to be Dylan Parham? So I think that's another battle to watch, but the, the overall picture of the offensive line with the Raiders is fascinating because yesterday we got access to Colton Miller and Brandon Parker, and Parker was really good. The, I, I like that they recognize how important their job is, and I know like people driving around listening are like, of course it's important, dumbass. No, with this team, right. it's one of the things that could make this team go from 9, 10, or 11 wins to not winning close games, missing on some key plays and key blocks, and all of a sudden they're a seven or eight win team with this star-studded offense. If these guys don't work, this could disastrous is strong. This could be very disappointing. I think it could be right. I mean, it could be disastrous. This has the makings, weapon-wise, of dare I say, an elite offense, like top ten. Carr's an efficient quarterback. We know how good Devontae Adams is. We know how good Hunter Renfro is. We know how good Darren Waller is. And there's some intriguing depth at wide receiver opposite of Devontae Adams. I heard one of the writers yesterday say it should be top five. And if it's not, that's a problem. I don't know if that's, I don't know about the narrative. If not, it's a problem. But it has the makings of, I will just say, being a very good offense. But, to your point, an offensive line can tear that apart if they're not being very good. And there is a lot of noise around this. I mean, Brandon, you mentioned Parker, who told you know the media yesterday that he deleted his social media because that's all they're hearing is about the offensive line being the weakest link. I wouldn't say, I mean, I think if you evaluate the positions, potentially that's one of the weakest links. I think it's more framing it as one of the biggest questions coming into the year. Because I've said this before, and I don't know if I, I, it was with you, but like a guy like Alex Leatherwood, for example, you know, there were questions about like, why do you roll into this season without doing anything with the offensive line? 
Well, what if Alex Heatherwood actually kind of gets it this year, mm-hmm. right? What if he starts to develop and becomes a solid option for them, and all of a sudden your tackle spots are taken care of? Denzel Good retiring doesn't do you any good. But now you go into the season with only three questions about how that's going to operate as opposed to four, right? So I think that's something that you roll into the season with. It's kind of a free roll here. But I also think, too, so when we look at this overall, we get Denzel Good retiring. They re-sign Jordan Meredith, and Deshaun Reed wrote about this the other day. He's like, Meredith's not going to make the roster. He's just in here to be a body. This is a team that's cap space. We've been talking about adding to the interior of the defensive line. So which direction, if they do, where do you go to add bodies? Would you rather them go on the interior of the defensive line, or would you rather have them add any one of the available free agents along the offensive line? Do we really know the injury situation with the guys on the pup list? Not really. Right? You, you, you know, it doesn't mean you, anything. You never really know what the pup list. I mean, right. as a Jets fan, I read the other day that, you know, Mekhi Becton's on the pup list a week ago, and I'm like, all right, th- this is this is getting stupid. <laughs> right. right? These guys, they're going to suck. Right? And uh, Carl Lawson was on there, and I'm blanking on the third guy. Um, the thing with J.K. Uh, Dobbins, uh, right? He's like, uh, I'm well, fine. And uh, then they put him on the pup list. Yeah, U- Uzma was uh, the tight end oh, was yeah. on the pup list. And then yesterday they came off. So... For all we know, I mean, I think Hankins is going to be a while, but Nichols could be back sooner than later. So that's another one. We don't the the, the injuries are kept in in house, and it's so secret. They know if they're better off at defensive tackle than than we know. I would, I think the offensive line is vital. I think they have to get an experienced guard. Mm-hmm. I think that's where you spend the money. And then the other the other question is the other cornerback spot. So they have some deciding, you know, some decisions to make here. But, I, I mean, I trust Dave Ziegler. I think he's a good personnel guy. And they clearly have some confidence in the roster to come in with these three question marks. Yep. And so I'm glad you brought that up because so I was looking over their roster, right, and, you know, different ways to evaluate them and everything like that. And, you like, and you look around, you're like, man, we're talking so much about the offensive line. And granted, because offense is what makes headlines and you have quarterback and you have wide receiver. And that's the most exciting part about the Raiders this year. There's a lot of other positions that yes. you're looking at here for this. Not to say again, that it's, but there are a lot of different position groups that you're looking at going, hmm, you know, maybe that's what should be getting multiple write-ups about what's going on with the Las Vegas Raiders, right? Again, defensive tackle is a massive question. And kind of putting those two things together, like to your point about learning, how much do you learn about what a potential weakness is for your offensive line, which is clearly the interior and maybe your right <laughs> tackle, yeah. If the interior of your defensive line is also one of the biggest position questions that you have. That's a problem. (laughs) I mean, you you would assume they know football well enough that they can see whether one side is winning, you know, or the other, that it could be a weak point on both sides of the ball. But yeah, you come away and be like, man, this, these guards are great. (laughs) Maybe the guys are going against just aren't that good, but they, I mean, they clearly felt comfortable coming in with these question marks and they have creatively, Mm -hmm put together some cap space here. So I, I think they're bringing in some people from outside the organization. These guys are smart and you're going to see some new faces, but for now, for the next you know two weeks, these O linemen will have a chance to win the jobs. And if they don't, they, you know, they only have themselves to blame because the opportunity is there to grab a starting job. So, and I'm also, I'm excited to see I'm also mentioned nothing is set in stone mm-hmm. at the beginning of preseason. And even at the beginning of the season, backups can win jobs. Starters can lose jobs. That's what you know. Rotational dealios are on the <laughs> offensive line and the defensive line. That's why you need a million defensive linemen, yep. right? It's not going to be just two defensive tackles um, or you know two defensive linemen who are going to get most of the time. It's going it's going to be they don't have studs, so it's going to be a rotation throughout the year, just like it was last year. Yep. And again, kind of going back to what we're talking about here is when a guy like the most the, the spotlight is going to be a guy on a guy like Leatherwood, Alex Leatherwood. I, I would make you for if you're out there. Go look up Andrew Thomas for the New York Giants. 
Andrew Thomas's rookie year was not good. Andrew Thomas was kind of a nightmare as an offense alignment for the New York Giants. This last year was one of the better offense alignment in the National Football League. Guys can get it. Guys get better. Yep. And Leatherwood, a lot of people thought very highly of Leatherwood. Probably not the 17th pick in the draft, but he was a top 50 guy in the draft. You know, you're looking at other dudes. Brandon Parker, you know, they expected big things from him. He was actually picked ahead of Fred Warner, who was one of the top five linebackers in all of football. So there's some pressure on him. And he, he stepped up last year. Parham's a third-round pick. You know, and we mentioned Cotton. They've got guys who have been working to be a starter. And, you know, Denzel Good and Incognito were in their way. Now it's time to step up. So we're going to get back to this in about 15 minutes. Ed Grady's going to join us live from Raiders practice. On the other side, a couple of discussions when it comes to uh, conference expansion and Big Ten media days. Had some interesting quotes coming out of it. And you don't really know what you have until it's gone. And is Boise State on the precipice? precipice? It's early. Of it being gone. All of the sun, none of the fun. On the Press Box Summer Edition. No Tyler, no Ed, although Ed's going to come up in about, mm, what, 10 minutes from now. Jonathan Von Tobel and Steve Cofield filling in here on the Press Box. So football season's here. It is. Pads are on for the Raiders. All teams are at training camp. Media days are happening across the country for these conferences and college football. So we've made it. Football is back. Yesterday we had... This, was it the start? I think it was the start of Big Ten Media Days yesterday, right? I was watching a lot of coverage on ESPN while I was on the Stairmaster trying to, you know what I mean, yep. lean up a little bit. I was actually listening to uh, Jason Horowitz, the new voice of the Raiders. Yep. I don't know if people saw that, but they have a new play-by-play voice, so he does Sirius XM College, so mm-hmm. he was out at Big Ten Media Days. So we tweeted out a picture of him uh, getting ready for his conversation with uh, JT the Brick. As uh, Earlier in that hour, he was talking to uh, Northwestern's Pat Fitzgerald. Random note, but just figured I'd squeeze it in there. I, they had Pat Fitzgerald on camera when I was uh, at the gym, and he. I, I want to look like Pat Fitzgerald when I'm his age. He's, he's pretty a, beefy. Yeah, he's a former yeah. college linebacker. You're right, though. There are so, sometimes it is amazing. I'm not going to say who, but there are a couple of Mountain West coaches. Boy, if I say new, I guess you could reduce. Yeah, yeah you can cut that list down. I'll just easy. say one of the coaches walked by, and I was I. I hadn't seen I hadn't seen the person before. And then when I found out they were a coach, I was like, whoa, okay. Well, okay, Play, played, was... played football, but doesn't really look like they played football anymore. Okay. okay. So you do give credit. I mean, there are, there are football, former football coaches, not to get on Andy Reid, but, you know, who don't look like they played. Pat Fitzgerald looks like he played. He is a brick-ass house. <laughs> if, he, if you just presented him, I feel like somebody would tell, like an alien came down and be like, that's the greatest football player of all time, right? Like, just looking at him and his body, he looks pretty Could be incredible. intimidating if you let him intimidate you. He could. He doesn't see, I don't know. I, 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 he's, he's, had a, he's had a couple of uh, kids these days, you oh, know, college oh, football yeah, these days true. moments. Well, where it's like, pump the brakes, Pat. College football these days is changing, Pat, so you better get used to it. All these, all <laughs> the coaches, all, I haven't, you know what? I haven't seen a lot of that chatter. I've kind of, I'm just starting to ignore it because it annoys me and right. just pisses me off when, you know, coaches who make, you know, $5 million plus are complaining. There are things to complain about, but like, eh, adjust on the fly. There mm-hmm. are plenty of coaches who are dealing with the portal and, Using the portal. These are the rules now. They'll change, but it, the, the whining thing to me is a big turnoff. No, I would You're agree. the highest paid employee in the state in many cases. Be an adult and act like a leader and adjust on the fly. It is incredible when I get ready for the season, though, seeing all the different quarterbacks at like the different schools and everything. Adrian Martinez is a Kansas State Wildcat. Spencer Rattler, a South Carolina Gamecock. I love it. What? They transferred? Yeah. <laughs> Shockingly, I'm enough. kidding. I follow it, but, but you're right. There's a there's a lot of spots where people don't know where quarterbacks have landed, and a lot of them have transferred. Yep. 
So we got a couple of notes out of Big Ten Media Days yesterday. Uh, the interesting financial one, I guess it's interesting. Uh, Big Ten Commissioner Kevin Warren confirmed that USC and UCLA will refu- uh, receive full revenue shares when they enter the Big Ten. What? Um, as it is noted here from uh, Adam Rittenberg, might not sit well with Nebraska-Maryland Rutgers, which did not receive full shares. My question is, why are we surprised by this? If you're Nebraska, not, Rutgers, or any of these other schools. I'm not surprised by it, but uh, my only thing, so this is one of the most undercovered stories in all of college football. When people grade how Maryland, Rutgers, and Nebraska have done in the Big Ten, they're like, they brought nothing to the conference, they suck! Okay, you do need to know that they started out getting 10% of the money, eventually graduated, I don't know Nebraska's situation, I know Maryland and Rutgers, they didn't get the full share of money mm-hmm. for five years. So while Northwestern and Indiana, which are kind of not great football programs, were getting 40, 45, 50, 55 million dollars, those other schools were getting 10, 16, 18, that and it was on purpose, mm-hmm. right? It was on purpose. The the Big 10 had the hammer, all three schools were like, "My god, yes. We want to get to well, Nebraska was already at the Power 5 table." So they had to come limping in. Yeah, no, USC and UCLA have leverage. Because they're opening up this whole new revenue stream with L.A. But it is one of those stories where people don't realize that the conference did it on purpose, had these schools limping in financially. Well, yeah, it's hard to compete. Mm -hmm. By the way, Maryland and Rutgers actually, I think, have both ascended slowly. It's not great, right? They at least started at a point where they can win four and five games for the year. The the Nebraska question, because Nebraska already had money, that's, that's the intriguing one. Golf. I mean, why look, they've struggled so much, but but again, it it is it is fair to report that Nebraska wasn't getting the same money, and I bring up like Indiana. Indiana sucked last year; it might suck this year. Mm-hmm. So they're getting all the money, and they're they're not competing. Money matters in terms of athletics. You see it in this state with these two schools. Well, it also it's a little weird to say the Rutgers didn't bring anything, considering that market. I mean, that's that's a pretty solid market that they bring in from a TV standpoint. Well, I don't think it's the market argument because people mm-hmm. don't like the average person doesn't care about the TV thing. All they see is hey, they're only winning two and three games, and they're getting blown off the field by forty five points by Michigan and Ohio State. Well, it's not all money, but a lot of it is money. Yep. Right in terms of recruiting your facilities. I don't I don't know if Maryland has a new facility. I know Rutgers is trying to. They have a facility. From when I was in school, and I'm old, so that we're talking what 30 years ago. So they need an upgrade. Well, that that's Northwestern just built a, I think it was a 350 million dollar, sta- not a stadium, practice facility, sports facility yeah. on Lake Michigan, a sports facility for football and everything else. 350 million dollars. Well, how do you think you do that? Just donors? No, it's a lot of the money comes from the Big Ten. Yep. So we get that coming out of the Big Ten. The other part about this that we get, and this is this is what I think is when we talk about like the dilution of the regular season, right? Because a lot of people talk about playoff expansion and what that would mean. If we go down this path, I kind of understand it a little bit more because Pete uh, Pete Dammel reported one new wrinkle that came up with the Big Ten ADs, and this has been reported to it. The SEC ADs also discussed this, I think, last week when it was part of their media availability or excuse me, media day and uh, conference day. Um, the playoff excuse me, I met this week about the playoff is increased conversation about a 16-team playoff. OSU, uh, Ohio State, AD, Gene, Smith, ESPN, 16 in terms of teams just seems to be out there. You can't ignore it. I that, feel- that, that happened quickly, didn't it? It did. Well, you know what this is. With those conferences getting so big, with the Big Ten and the SECs getting so big and probably bigger, oh, they no. want to make sure they can get three and four teams into a massive playoff system and, and get their heavy share of a playoff Payday. I I understand why. 
I just don't. Like, we've seen already, right, these college football playoff games already. The semifinals, it's been a large sample size of being less than entertaining, right? The gap between, if you even get to 12, the gap between 12 and 1 is so large that I just, I'm not sure how entertaining this is. I don't be. think it will be large forever. I think college football is cyclical. I know you and I have argued about this before. You keep saying that. When is it going to happen? Well, I, I, Nick Saban's going to retire or die at some point. I'm not trying to be, you know, I'm not rooting for that, but. <laughs> <laughs> programs change. I mean, uh, if we go back to 1995, you would have been like, my God, no one is ever going to compete with Nebraska. Things change. You get a new coach, they blow oh. it. You know, it's it, a lot of, so much of it's coaching. Like I know you wanted to talk today about Boise and like all the Boise fans are like, you know, we are at the front of the line for power five. Is this new coach going to win? Cause he went seven and five last year. And you know, Harson and uh, now I'm blanking on uh, who's the Washington coach. Uh, Chris, Caleb uh, DeBoer? Is that what you're talking no, about? No, no, no. Yeah, I'm sorry. You're right. They're a great coach who went to yes, Washington. Yes. Like, those guys aren't walking through the door again. Right? Mm-hmm. These are coach-driven programs. Sometimes you hire three and four bad coaches. That's what happened in Nebraska. They got rid of Frank Solich. And from there, it's just been, you know, Bo Pelini was like 8-9 win guy. And they're like, that's not good enough. And now they're a four-win program. You don't, you're not good forever. Chris I Peterson. Cut, I cut you off. Chris Peterson. Yeah. See, I think I think what what the SEC and the Big Ten are angling for, if they don't get cooperation from other conferences, and if there aren't like super conference mergers, I think they're angling towards having oh, I don't know, 40, 48 teams. And guess what the playoff is? All forty eight teams. Stop. Even the worst teams will get will be in the playoff. You could not do that. Do it. Hey, that's what's most that, that that's the, the the way they look at it is, and everyone gets a share of the money. I, I mean, even the little, even the crappiest program that year. We'll be on the dance floor, okay. which will be ter- that'll be a, a terrible tournament. And then we're watching other, you know, two other say, you know, power four conferences, and they're they're not involved, or they only have the ability to get in like one or two teams into the field of forty eight. There's no shot. It's a I, I I think it'll be a disaster, but I think that's what they're angling towards. I feel like you're being a little hyperbolic when you say forty eight, right? I think it, it would be a big sample size, but the amount of games you would have to add to the schedule, everything like that. But it's all. But the, the when we talk about the amount of games on the back end of a playoff, mm-hmm. it's only for the teams that make it, you know, way through. And all this stuff about oh the kids and the wear and tear, they would play seventeen games a season if the the money's there. They would. Mm-hmm. And you watch. I mean, the the Big Ten commissioner just said yesterday he he actually he talked about like eight more schools. Right. He named Oregon, Washington, Cal, Stanford, Boise State. Boise State was not mentioned. <laughs> then he mentioned schools like Florida State. Like there's going to be a game. Like Clemson, everyone's like, oh, Clemson's leaving for the SEC. Are they? What if the Big Ten has a better offer? Mm-hmm. North Carolina could go to the Big Ten. There, there are plenty of schools that they could just destroy another Power Five conference, right, and just start ripping from in a couple of Big 12 schools. And then you're going to have this deal where the Big 12 schools are going to look up. Like I say it all the time, we're moving towards TV matters the most, right? right? And there's there could be a day where – Ames, Iowa, Manhattan, Kansas, Morgantown, West Virginia. Hey, folks, move to the big city because we don't care about you. And now you're out. Just because you were in 30 and 70 years ago, now you're out. Why? Because we said so. I should have known. She didn't like me. I don't think anybody likes you. Jared, if you put your hands up like that again, we're getting a new producer. I like me. It's the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff. No Bischoff, no Graney today. Jonathan Von Tobel, Steve Cofield filling in. But we do have Ed Graney live from Raiders training camp for a few minutes. Ed, we appreciate the time this morning. Uh, but before we get to Raider stuff, 
I wanted to build on what Steve and I were just talking about. We were talking about conference expansion and some of these teams and the attraction of some of them. And we kind of got into Boise State in terms of uh, their – what? What's the – okay. <laughs> so <laughs> Steve makes faces and it throws me off. The attraction of Boise State. The fans seem to think, and maybe some in the media market, that the brand is more recognizable than it really is and that it's actually a, an attractive team, an attractive market to add to a power conference as they're kind of adding to, to teams. What do you make of Boise State and the attraction uh, as a program and adding them to one of these big power conferences? You know what? I, I wrote this the other day, guys, and um, obviously the first thing that stands about is their football program, but I just don't believe in 2022. I, I think it's more about and how they think they can sponsorships through television. And that's why I wrote the other day, and people I'm sure in Boise hated it, was that if San Diego State was the number one market because of Southern California, even though I still believe SC and UCLA kind of own that market, I thought Vegas was the second market. Like, if, I, if, I'm, if I'm a power five, and I don't know if any of these people are in, in line to get anything, to tell you the truth, but I would look at San Diego and Vegas as the two top markets in that conference, and I'm sure Boise people have, throw things against the window and crazy, but they're, they're a hundred-plus market, and I'm just not so sure that that means anything that you're good at football anymore. I don't think it means much if you can sell eyeballs and TV ratings and sponsorships. But, Ed, the blue field is recognizable, <laughs> and every once in a while well, somebody yeah. might, might look at the Bronco and be like, hey, I, see, I think I've seen that team before. Yeah, that, the blue field carries it. No, I mean, I, Boise State likes itself a lot, uh, <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but I, I'm more of the fact that I wrote it off the Mountain West Media Day. Look, it'd be great if UNLV was better at football. I mean, for a lot of reasons, there's no question about that. But I don't think if, you know, Power 5 ADs and presidents are sitting around, that, that carries the day in terms of that they haven't been good at football. I think they look at the market. I think that they look at what Vegas is now sports-wise. I think that they look at, um, you know, what the town has become and what it could be. I think gaming has a lot to do with that, to bring, you know, Power Fives now. They're bringing championship play into Vegas. That's no longer like a taboo. And I just think Vegas would be in the market. Like I said, this might mean nothing for anybody. They might not add anyone from the Mountain West, and Mountain West might just take takeovers from the Pac-12 who, you know, who are left over. But um, I would rank at San Diego State and, and, and Vegas right now, and I think Vegas is right there in a lot of ways. I challenge everyone, and this is a discussion I have all the time on social media, I challenge uh, everyone out there, when we talk about conference expansion over the last 30 years, name me the small market that got in. Because the one I can name is Blacksburg, right, with the ACC. Yeah. And you got to go yeah. back pretty far. Beyond that, it's all been about markets. And people are like, oh, no, yeah. football matters. No, you're missing this. It's about markets. Even if the football program is not that good, they look at it and they're like, we've got viewers, we've got potential. The money yeah. we give that school, that means there's upside there. That's who we want. Look at who the Big 12 just added. Houston, Orlando, yeah. Cincinnati, Salt Lake. There's, there's no Ames, Iowa. There's no Blacksburg. There's no Boise being included. No, you're exactly right. Like I, It's market, man, especially in, in this day and age. It's all about TV and, and, and what they think they can gain in, in sponsorships. Look what's happened with the Pac-12 and their TV deal and their media rights deal since they lost the two teams. I'm not so sure. I mean, I'd like to say that the Pac-12 would add two teams and it would be San Diego State and, and UNLV because I think those are the two most enticing. Uh, I don't know if that's going to happen. But Boise, like I said, is a 100-plus market. And, and, yeah, they're good at football. And Steve is right. That doesn't mean anything. And, Ed, I'll cut in, on, you know, cut in for a second. They're good at football up until 
two years ago. I have no idea what they're going to be now with Andy Avalos. Maybe they just hit the jackpot with right. three or four really good coaches in a row. They they kind of looked like you know a lot of other teams uh, or you know a lot of other schools around the conference. Maybe I'll maybe I'll eat my words here and they're ten and two this year, but I ain't buying it. No, I'm not either. And like I said, and I think you agree, Steve. I don't even know. If t- I mean, ten and two doesn't matter to anybody. Right. It, it just doesn't. They they don't. Presidents don't care about that. They just care about revenue and and resources that you can bring to the league. Now, you know, one thing you know that might curtail the San Diego State or UNLV is, you know, how much does the Pac-12 want to slice the pie if you're only bringing so many resources to the league? And yet, I still would argue market means a lot to them. So, if, you know, they want to get to 12, and I'm not. I, I saw a report the other night about San Diego State and Fresno State, and I started laughing about that because. There's no chance I would take Fresno State over Una over Las Vegas. Um, if you get Southern California with San Diego State, and I'll still make the argument that USC and UCLA will probably own the San Diego market and the Southern California market, right. but San Diego would bring that. Um, I'd pick Vegas over Fresno in a second. When I saw that report, I'm glad that people quickly downed that in terms of the Fresno market over the Las Vegas market. Ed Graney with us, who is uh, out at Raiders training camp. So let's transition over to the Raiders. Uh, Steve and I opened the show. We were talking about uh, what you actually can learn once the pads are strapped on, especially with an organization that seems to want to be very uh, secretive about everything going on with X's and O's and position battles. So what are you expecting first day of pads? And uh, if anything, what to learn from what you're going to watch out there? Um, I hope we see some scraps. Uh, That usually happens in the first day of pads. And those guys were talking about it yesterday where there's going to be some, you know, maybe even a fight or two uh, because they get so excited. I don't think they'll tackle to the ground. I think McDaniels is trying to be safe for injuries. That's what he said to us last week or whenever we had him last, is that they won't tackle to the ground. But I think everyone's going to look at the offensive line. Um, I think it's competitive. I think there are – did I get that? That's my bad. Jeez, I don't know if you heard that. Um, We did not. It is an ESPN ESPN update, so at least I'm right on the updates. Um, yeah, uh, you know, I expect a lot of people would be looking at the offensive line and who's at the starters. Um, you know, you can't say without saying Alex Leatherwood and, and how he looks. I mean, he's been backing up a right tackle uh, to Brandon Parker. So, you know, it's, it's exciting because they're in pads and they can finally hit people. Um, I don't know how much we learn, to tell you the truth. Quarterbacks can't be touched. I mean, if they're not tackling to the ground, I don't know how much we learn. But uh, Steve has been out here and he's been walking the sidelines with us and, uh, <laughs> At least there'll be something different than just a bunch of drills. <laughs> That's very true. So when you're when you're watching a lot of these position groups, we talk a lot about, Ed, about the offensive line. Uh, I feel like we should also be talking about quite a few other position groups. Steve was talking about opposite corner, uh, the interior of the defensive line. Yeah. The, the, the offensive line is going to get a lot of the headlines, but when it comes to specifically the interior of the defensive line, you could argue that that's just as big of a question mark slash weakness as this offensive line could potentially be. Yeah, and also I think you hit it on the head. If I'm looking at something secondary and looking at opposite corner, um, I think Steve's right about that. Interior defensive line for sure. Um, linebacker. There's a lot. There's a lot of places I think you can look, and I want to see what they run defensively. Patrick Graham's been pretty, let's say, non-committal to us in terms of what they're running defensively. I don't know how much they'll tip their hand, um, but all those positions are ones you know we'll be looking at and. And obviously, I think you can't take your eyes away from Devontae Adams. I think Steve will agree. He's looked every bit, you know, what we thought Devontae Adams would look at. So there's still a lot of question marks. um, But thank goodness they're finally in pads. Hey, Granny, host of the Press Box with uh, Cofield and JVT here. 
on this. Uh, what day is it? What is it? Wednesday, Wednesday morning. Wednesday, Wednesday morning. We lose track Wednesday. sometimes. Um, I love to see this. Because, you, you know, John just mentioned uh, McDaniels and company want to be a little bit secretive. We know he comes from the Belichick system. I just saw a Mark Daniels, what is that, Projo tweet. And uh, you know they're dying there to unearth who the OC is and who the DC is. And he tweets out, Matt Patricia has a walkie-talkie and is calling offensive plays here at practice. Here we go. Cracking the code with Belichick as he tries to keep the OC and DC all secret. Well, has he got, has he got a pencil in his head? <laughs> right. <laughs> Is he, is he wearing a pencil on his head? What a story. Uh, what a story. Patricia could be the OC. <laughs> I just love the concept of guys with binoculars trying to figure this out, yep, right? Yep, like, yep. like, oh, we got to watch whoever's got this. What's going on here? Uh, <laughs> hey, Ed, so real quick, last thing about what we're looking at with this team. So when you talk about this Raiders team, we, you know, one of the things that has been out there is, hey, and Dominican Sue, you can add him. Well, now we get Dentel Good retiring. Uh, there is now a potential hole along the offensive line, another added one. When you look at the availability of certain guys out there, there's plenty of veteran offensive linemen. There's Sue for the interior. Where would you rather see this team add a body, interior defensive line or along the offensive line? I think what they're going to do, I'm almost certain, is they're going to watch the waiver wire. Um, there are guys out there in the offensive line right now they don't want to pay starters money to. So I would absolutely look at the offensive line. I just I think there's too many doubts there. Colton Miller's the only sure thing. Um, you know, Parker's looked good. Lester Cotton's actually looked really good at guard. I think Steve will tell you that. But I would look at the offensive line. I, I'd look at the waiver wire. I don't know if I'd bring anyone in right now because, like I said, they probably, the guy's out there. And, they, you know, we talked about it yesterday in the press box, you know, mid-30s. Jared had a lot of names out there early to mid-30s that they'd still want starter money. So I'd wait for the I'd wait for the waiver wire and see what's out there. There's going to be a lot of names out there like usual when guys get into games and camps and they start waving people. So I'd look at the offensive line. I I just think that that is the one position that's going to, you know, define success or failure for this team this year because they do have a lot of weapons offensively, but if he can't stand upright and he's running for his life and 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 they're, you know, jumping off, you know, jumping, you know, early and and all kinds of penalties like they had last year. You know, I don't know how good they're going to be. Ed, thank you very much for the time. Enjoy practice. Thanks, you guys. Steve, you coming out? <laughs> Not this morning. Not this morning. Tomorrow, right. mor- tomorrow morning. Tomorrow morning. See on the sidelines. We, we can share binoculars the next time. There you go. There you go. I need like double strength binoculars. I'm I'm a do you, nightmare. Do you bring binoculars? No, I can't see anything anyway. Does so anybody? I'm not, have... I'm not sitting there with binoculars and <laughs> and uh, I, listen. Just, I'm like, not... There's a black blur and yeah. a silver blur. I mean, I mean, I'm not I'm not ripping the guys who do that because they're the beat writers. Right. I'm not a I'm not a beat person for the Raiders. So I watch what I can. I watch the fields up close. The setup is you know we're on one side of three fields, so a lot of the work is done you know far away. But there there are fans out there, and if you want to you know it's invited fans. Uh, but if you want to bring binoculars and watch it. Does anybody have a set of binoculars on a stick? Like at the opera? I haven't seen it. <laughs> but you know you know the guys who are using you know, the, the, the visual aids. It's all, you're right. And, it's and, and, the beat writers. and it, that is good for the fans. Like there are hardcore fans who want to know rotations every day and certain plays and who's out there. You know, I saw I have no idea if you could even see them, but I saw reports, hey, you know, Jonathan Abram is back out here. So that's all important stuff. Also important stuff, how you react in social settings. On the other side, we have two very important social questions, including I was in a situation yesterday where for somebody who is so vocal, I could not find my voice. You're listening to the Press Box Summer Edition. All right, closing out the first hour. We have the important questions to ask here on the Press Box. 
So we have two decorum questions. I think you wanted to add something to the food question. Did By you the way, we're not gonna we're not gonna even recognize Redneck Yacht Club on the way back. I don't even know who this is or what this is. Really? Such a jam of summer 2012. This song is terrible. What would happen if your neck got burnt? <laughs> My neck gets burnt all the time. See, see what we just did? Jared and I just just led you right into your topic about your neck. Oh, well, I, I mean, I was right, Jared? Look, fist bump. Setting up a food thing, but that's fine. <laughs> well, I thought you had your barber story. Well, I did. So here's the thing. So I got a haircut yesterday. Can I just tell you? So I'm going to open up a little bit here. My biggest insecurity. <laughs> I'm going to open up here. My biggest insecurity is my hair. Like I, I have, I think I have nice hair, like in terms of its thickness, its lushness, whatever. Yeah. Um, but I can never get a good haircut. Can never get a good haircut. I always say this. The lady who did cut my hair for like two years, the lady, she's like my age. The woman who cut my hair for like a year and a half that worked at Isabel's old stomping grounds at the Red Rock Spa had the audacity to become like a doctor or something, finish school. So like, <laughs> the audacity. Right, yeah. So she doesn't cut my hair anymore. And since then. She just start calling 911. <laughs> right. And since then, it's just been, you know, just random chain going to get haircuts. They all look different every single time. Said chains save I put in air quotes, what I get, but then every time, like I go yesterday, the lady's like, oh, you haven't been here in a year. I'm like, does it look like my hair hasn't been here in a year? Like, haven't been here in a month. Nobody's saving what my hair is, right, in terms of the notes. So I'm getting my hair cut yesterday, and the ladies' clippers, have you ever had this where, I don't know what happens with the clippers, but it feels like there's just like a razor being dragged through your skin at times? And she was killing my back, the back of my neck, like just scratching me up. I could feel it just dragging through my skin. And I said nothing. I just took it. I just took it. I like. Do I Why? say? Do I say something? Yes. Ow. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I didn't say it. It's so I'll speak up. Any. I. I will like send food back. I'll say if something's wrong. I'll do it all the time. But for some reason, when it comes to haircuts, I just want to get in and get out. I hate talking. I hate all of that stuff when it comes to haircuts. And I'll just take the pain if it means you'll cut my hair quicker so I can get out. I'm going to set myself up here. I don't get you guys who care that much about your haircut. I'm on camera, Steve. <laughs> I mean, that, okay. sort of, that sort of matters. I thought you were going to fire back with, I don't care because I have no hair. <laughs> oh, like, no. it's all gone in the back. And whatever I get now, I get. I mean, you used to do the Bryce Harper thing. Well, I had the big, I had like a swoop. Kind of trying to comb it back and over like Trumpian. I would design it in the morning. And then uh, there were a couple times where, you know, you get the wind over at, say, Thomas and Mac or on the road, and it would just all blow forward. It's horrendous. Getting old and going bald is horrendous. So I guess, I guess care about your hair while you have it. Ooh, I'm not saying you're going bald. I'm, I don't think I am. No. I mean, isn't it the mom thing, right? Isn't it your mom's side that allegedly you take yes. on? Yes. Okay, cool. Yeah, my, my grandfather good. on that side was bald. I am getting gray hairs now. Welcome to the club. I can't wait. I can't wait because if I if I be distinguished, right? Like if if what happens, think what I if if what happens, whatever. Yes. If I still have my hair, like I think I will, hmm. I think I'll look good with a, a big full gray, hair. gray or white helmet would look good. On Ooh, you. I want the salt and pepper like sides. You know what I mean? Like white on the sides, but still some color on top. I'm just making requests now of my jeans, so hopefully it comes through. So Sorry. what are you going to do to solve this not speaking up when you're uh, getting a rake across your neck? I'm just going to take it next time. You're just going to take it. <laughs> you, well, you, because... you could just complain to a Vegas audience, 
thousands and thousands of people are listening, rooting for you to speak up. Find you're not going to do find it. Find your voice. Find your well, voice, man. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to speak up. I just want to get it done. Though I had the, I made the mistake of actually contributing to the conversation yesterday, and then that was just a nightmare. Yeah, I thought you don't speak at all. I don't, but I, I was like, I don't know. I felt kind of weird because the lady was trying to be like over the top nice. And I'm just like, yeah, I got two kids. And that just opened the door. That just like, oh, I've got five. And I'm like, oh, God, okay. And she just kept talking. And Yeah, I don't, I don't answer. And my biggest problem is because they're using clippers, I can't hear. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not going to sit there and be like, huh? Like the message is sent early. We don't, we don't have to talk. I'm not trying to be rude, but like this can be done. My hair's a nightmare. This can be done in like... 11 minutes. Just just do it. Here's a tip. Let's get out of here. The next person's probably going to talk. So can I also add, the place that I usually go to, let's just say it has a theme that is said, like tailored to males, okay? Is it sports or sailing? Sports. Okay. Is it sports and or sailing? Can I just say? Or is it fantastic? No. I feel like the biggest D-bag going into that place because it's just like, I'm a generic dude who loves sports. Let me get my hair cut. And then, of course, you get the question, like, oh, what do you do? And I'm like, work in sports. And they're like, yeah. you love sports, huh? I'm like, yes, I'm a male. This place is of course I love for sports. you. Yeah. I rarely, the female uh, stylist, I very rarely get them to say anything after you say you do sports radio. They don't care. Some of them try to like, oh, that's really cool. I'm a big fan of the Minnesota Wild. Like, that was the one lady that threw that at me. And I'm just like, I. You're like, I. That's the one thing <laughs> I really don't know well, lady. <laughs> anything else. You could have thrown anything at me. Minnesota G League team. Do they have a G League team? Like, John would go off on that. Right. You, like, you want to break down the 12th and 13th player on the Wolves? Let's go. You could have thrown. The Wild. I'm out. <laughs> you could have thrown anything at me. Anything in the world. You got stymied talking sports <laughs> at the barbershop. Right. Because they just, that's all. And then they do the thing where they're like, here, I'll turn you to the TV so you can see. And I'm like, I don't, I don't need to see sports. Anymore. I like that, actually. You do? I, I, yes, that was, I always thought at that place, that was always the best option. I guess you could just sit in silence and just watch the television. Yes, you just look, look up. I always like during football seasons, especially like on Saturdays if I go, and they'll just ask you the generic, did you watch the game? And I'm like, there's like 20 today. <laughs> they're trying. <laughs> I don't think they have that. Like, do they have to take an examination on sports knowledge? I don't think that's part of the requirement. I'm, I'm sure right now it's hard to get people to cut hair. I mean, if you watch the commercial, they they get drilled by some guy. They just sit Wait, there at a big. Oh, that's a good gym. point. <laughs> you sit there at a big empty gym, and they're just cutting hair. And he's like, "That's I, terrible." I forgot go. about co- the coach <laughs> and all the methods, yeah, driving them on to for good haircuts. Right. And by the way, you see that guy's haircut. You're like, "Come on, you're going to be the judge, bro." All right, second hour, we'll get to the food decorum questions. Uh, But on the other side, Aces uh, get a big win in the Commissioner's Cup. And do we call it karma? Oh, boy, the Los Angeles Sparks, we got a story.